0: Back to center of attention, finally back on track. Sorry about last week, kind of got out of hand a little bit. Uh, work schedule has been kind of crazy going back and forth between closing and opening and going in early before open, so needed a little bit of extra time to get out an episode to you guys, but got one out with Dom. You guys seem to enjoy it, and uh, now back on schedule, like I said in last week's episode with everything that's going on and trying to figure out where i'm going to go to get a job figure out um how to work around the schedule that i have set now i'm going to pull it back to just one podcast a week so uh, i know it was kind of a i didn't ask and it was just kind of my idea to go two episodes a week and then i'm automatically pulling it back to one after like three or four weeks but uh, i kind of got to roll with it here It's what i'm learning with uh the podcasting stuff and the broadcasting and being home and being in the adult world sometimes you kinda just gotta roll with what's been going on. So that's what's been going on um, from the moment from on at this moment. Please uh, before we start follow the social medias at COA pod seventy three, at Jimmy Pilato on Twitter, uh, at Proud underscore walk on Instagram, at Jimmy Pilato on TikTok. And then wherever you listen, please like, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Share it to your friends. Uh, We're creeping up towards a thousand plays, which would be a huge milestone. Uh, This is episode 42, so that's another big thing. So there's a lot of stuff going on for the show that's been good. And I've been really enjoying seeing the number of listens slowly creep back up to each episode. I know everybody's kind of starting to go back to normal a little bit, but um, I enjoy that. Other good news going on right now. Baseball last night said that they reached an agreement to come back, so we will have MLB Baseball in 2020, hopefully. Um, There's a lot of other stuff going on in the world. It's not as pleasant, but I guess we're going to have to talk about it because it's going on. And, uh, yeah, so there's a a lot to get to. I think tonight I'm going to – well, I'm recording this at 10 o'clock in the morning, so I'm not going to say tonight. Uh, but I'm going to break down the Baltimore Ravens, finish out the AFC North, and then we'll see where I move on from there. I know I mentioned a uh, tournament of sports movies. I'm not sure if I'm going to be d- be doing that now since I'm only going to be doing one episode a week and I kind of don't have to scramble as much to find content. Uh, but I guess as unpleasant as this is going to be, might as well just get it over with and we'll talk about one of the more disgusting despicable things that I've seen in my lifetime and it's been all over the news not just sports news even though it's based out of a sporting event but news in general Um, but if you follow NASCAR or you probably saw the other night where... Um, well, that's kind of unfortunate. If you saw the other night when Talladega was supposed to be taking place Sunday, it got rained out, so they were going to run Monday instead. There was a noose found in the garage of Bubba Wallace, who happens to be the only African-American NASCAR driver in the series. And... Um, wealth of uh, groundswell of support started showing up for him which is just, which is surprising to most people because uh especially people who don't understand like myself don't think of nascar as a very socially conscious sport and it's based in the south so a lot of people just assume that it's the south so it's racist and it's rednecky and They aren't going to care about something like this happening. They probably would have supported it. I'm not saying that is my belief personally, but I could see where that argument comes from with the Confederate flags on the cars just now being banned. The types of people that go to these events, I mean, not trying to be mean or anything, but they do seem like the kind of people that would rather not have the current climate of the country going on. This is from USA Today because the FBI launched an investigation in to see if this was a hate crime. Following an investigation, the FBI concluded that the news found in Bubba Wallace's number 43 Richard Petty Motorsport Garage stall at Talladega Super Speedway on Sunday was not a federal crime. U.S. Attorney and FBI announced Tuesday afternoon. Monday, 15 FBI special agents conducted numerous interviews regarding the situation at Talladega Super Speedway. a joint statement from U.S. Attorney J.E. Town and FBI special agent in charge, Johnny Sharp Jr. After a thorough review of the facts and evidence surrounding this event, we have concluded that no federal crime was committed. The FBI learned that the garage number four where the noose was found was assigned to Bubba Wallace last week. The investigation also revealed evidence, including authentic video confirmed by NASCAR, that the noose found in garage number four was in that garage as early as October 2019. Although the noose is now known to have been in garage number four in 2019, nobody could have known Mr. Wallace would be assigned to garage number four last week. That makes a little bit of sense. One, because if you... This is something that I've learned in looking up different things about this event. I listened to Pat McAfee's thoughts on this and he actually owned, didn't own, but he owned a company that got a car in at Talladega and uh, was talking about how strict the security is around these garages and he said that there's almost no way if somebody were to do this and to mean it they would have had to have worked for Talladega and worked for NASCAR and had complete access to the garages. He said he couldn't even get to the garage and he was the one who paid for the car. So that that makes a little bit more sense. It still doesn't change the fact that with everything else going on, it is kind of sickening to think that this is still something that people are people are kind of not okay with but people are still willing to do something like this is a little bit upsetting um i'm glad that it's not what i thought it was at first i thought it was a bigoted attack against a guy who is in a sport that's not necessarily geared towards his kind of person that's i guess that's the best way that i could put it um just because this guy's black and he's been speaking out about the black lives ladder movement i thought that this was going to be a hate crime to try and shut him up, which did the exact opposite, and even got all the other people involved in NASCAR on his side, so if that was the case, that guy failed miserably, but, um, yeah, there's not really, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, Richard Petty did a good job, because he was, Bubba Wallace drives for Richard Petty racing team, and he immediately notified the people that he needed to. Um, it is a good, I agree. There's a couple statements here saying that they are thankful that there was no perpetuation of hate regarding the race this past weekend. Um, so it, it ended up being a lot better of a story than what it could have been. Who won? Talladega, 2020. Bubba Wallace finished 14th. So it's a uh, yeah, I guess thankful that nothing else happened that bad. It would have been really poetic if Bubba Wallace would have ended up winning the race, finishing in the top 15. I'm not familiar with racing and all the different ways that they earn points and stuff like that, so I don't know if that's great or if that's not good. I do know that if I was the one racing from Talladega Knights, if he ain't first or last, but I'm, I'm glad that Bubba Wallace was able to receive the support that he was, that he was getting... And he's gonna continue to try and be an activist for this movement that still needs to be perpetuated, no matter how long it's been since this originally started. Um, and I guess that brings me to my next thing, and that I was I'm very. It makes me sad every morning when I scroll through Twitter and see the amount of hate and toxicity, and the people just arguing to argue because they think that that is what. The platform is built for. Um, It's really not my favorite thing to see. It's really, it just doesn't make any sense why people would use this as a way to do it. A lot of people who I find putting out the worst tweets are actually troll accounts, not even... um, Not even actual people. But there's a lot going on. I want to delete my personal Twitter. Unfortunately, with the way that I. the career path that I've chosen, I can't really do that because it's an easy way to reach out to people. It's an easy way to promote stuff. But, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of. things that I see on there and I'm trying to, I guess I'm asking for your guys' opinion. What do you guys think about the current climate that's on Twitter and the fact that every time you look there's people arguing or people calling out another group. Um, It's just... I don't get it. Honestly, that's the best way that I could put it. I, I just don't get it. I don't get why people... I mean, when social media first started, it was more of a ridiculous thing where everybody could just put out whatever they wanted to. You didn't have to be famous. Everybody was going to see that you ate that sandwich. Um, Everybody was going to hear what was on your mind, and now they have, I guess, voice Twitter, which a lot of people are excited about. I wasn't aware that it was even happening, so I don't have an opinion on that yet. It's just something like... Why all of a sudden our president, not, not just this president, but why does the president have to be on Twitter? Why is the current president tweeting like a 12 year old girl? Um, why? Why if I search up hate, I'm gonna come up with a ton of different things and it's spilling over, not just on Twitter. I saw it this morning when I was scrolling through Facebook, uh, haven't really seen it on Instagram, Instagram still seems like it's a fairly positive platform, but I know that there's a lot of platforms out there that aren't like that, and I just don't quite understand why. I just don't get why it has to be this way. But, I guess that's just me, maybe I'm the weirdo, maybe I'm the one that doesn't understand it. Um... But that's kind of my feeling, so let me, let, let me know what you guys feel about that. You can reach out to me on Twitter, which would be ironic, or on a, on a review, or um, direct message me, whatever like that. But I kind of do want to get your guys' thoughts and opinions on that, because this is something... I'm very... it hurts. I mean, it makes me feel upset every day when I see it. It makes me feel down about the climate of everything that's going on makes me feel like we aren't really in that good of a place as a society because all we're doing is fighting all we're doing is arguing all we're doing is bickering and nobody can quite get it together and if we all got together maybe we would actually realize that we have a lot in common and maybe we'd be able to understand each other a lot of what i see people arguing about masks and whether or not we should still be locked down and the virus and the virus and the virus that's all you see anywhere anymore I'm sick of it. I don't want to hear about the virus anymore. I've heard all that I want to about it. Let me know what I got to do, but I don't need to hear anybody else's opinion on what they think I should do. Give me the regulations as to what I need to wear, where I need to go, what I can and can't do, but don't give me your opinion as to why. That's not just people in my life. That's podcasts that I listen to. I turn them off right away. I don't watch the news because that's all they're trying to do. It's fear-mongering and it's disgusting. Whether it's true or not, whether this is warranted or not, it's not right to do that to people in this day and age. It makes people very nervous. It makes people scared. They don't know what to do. It's just not a very good situation. Alright, transitioning now... To the MLB. Last night the MLB announced a sixty game season for twenty twenty. Opening day will be July twenty-third and twenty-fourth. Major League Baseball is set to return. The MLB Players Association informed the league Tuesday that players will comply with Commissioner Rob Manfred's imposed outline for a sixty-game twenty twenty season. Players are set to report for another version of spring training on July t- on July first. The regular season will start either July 23rd or 24th, the league announced. The two sides also finalized coronavirus health and safety protocols on Tuesday night. has um, submitted a 60 game regular season schedule for review of the Players Association Pro Schedule, largely featuring divisional play. The remaining portion of each club's games against their opposite league's corresponding geographical division, i.e., East versus East, Central versus Central, West versus West. I don't have that much of a problem with that. You're going to see some matchups that you don't normally get to see. So, instead of the Rockies playing just the Dodgers, Padres, and Diamondbacks, you get the Rockies playing those four teams plus Rocky, Rockies, Padres, Diamondbacks. Giants. That's the team that I was forgetting about. You're also going to see them play. um, I don't even really know who's in the American League West. I don't quite know baseball teams like I know football teams. You're going to see them play the Astros, Asterixes, excuse me, Angels, Athletics, Rangers, Mariners. So it's. I think it'll be. An interesting thing that way um, yeah of course the big biggest problem that I saw with everything that's going on with the MLB is that the players and owners are on completely different wavelengths and completely different ways of thinking when it comes to win what they want with the season honestly I think the baseball season is way too long The owners keep it at 162 games normally because they make more of their money based off of ticket sales and revenue of people going out to the parks. Players and all the fans would like a shortened season, I believe. Most of the fans, I won't say all of the fans, most of the fans, because then you don't have to... Because a lot of times with baseball, you get excited for opening day, you get excited for August, but June through July is kind of eh, whatever... I mean, teams can have a bad June and still come back and be competitive for the playoff race. And really all that matters is what you do in August moving through into October. So there doesn't need to be that extra stretch of games in the middle of the season. Um, but the owners don't want to do that. But then when this pandemic started, the owners wanted as many games, or as little games as possible because they're going to have to play their pay, pay their players' salary and they're not gonna have as many opportunities to make money off the fan revenue. So the, now it's flip-flopped and the players want more games, the owners want less. They ended up compromising. I put that in air quotes because this is just what the owners, pr- uh, owners proposed was a 60-game season. Um, uh, there we go. Format of regional schedule finalized. The exact schedule still needs to be made, but we know the structure of it. Every team will play 40 games against divisional foes or 10 apiece, and 20 interleague games against the geographical equivalent. So um, the Rockies would play 10 games against the Giants, the Diamondbacks, the Dodgers, and the Padres. And I say the Rockies because that's the team that I follow closest because they're the ones in here. And then they would have twenty games against So then they would play five games against the Astros, the Mariners, the Athletics, the Angels, and the Rangers. Which makes it so that of be kind of makes it to be pretty interesting when you think about it because who knows what's gonna happen. Second outline of this, teams to submit 60 player rosters will open with 30 player rosters. So, um, they're submitting 60 player rosters and then having 30 active, but they will submit 60 in case somebody tests positive, they'll have somebody to put, move up to starting roster. Um. Universal DH among rule changes. uh, That means that pitchers no longer hit in this shortened season. And then they're going to go to California extra innings. So what that means, if you're not familiar with baseball rules, is um, you have a player start at second base each half inning. That gives a little bit more chance for there to be run scored and break the tie Um, Mm -hmm. transaction freeze so the MLB has not been able to make transactions they will be able to do that again beginning Friday at noon trade deadline will be in August Instead of it being July 31st like it normally is, it'll come a month later, August 31st. MLB will have a COVID-19 specific and active list that players will be placed on if and when they test positive or show symptoms. There will be no set amount of time for the player to set out, unlike the injured list, which requires hitters to miss at least 10 days. Unassigned players head to Nashville. Uh um. oh. So this is like a uh if you followed the XFL you know that they had like an extra team where they would get together and they paid to practice and stay in shape in case one of the teams needed to pick up somebody from that extra team but they weren't necessarily in the league Nashville has agreed to be the host city for two teams of replacement players, um, should they be needed once the season starts. The only thing that I'm not sure of is if the players are going to have to wear masks out in the field. Um, If you saw a couple days ago, the NFL released a picture of their helmet design that they're trying to come up with. And it's basically a visor on top and then have like a mask covering on the bottom, which shouldn't be too big of a deal, I don't think, because there's a lot of guys who already have pretty secure face mask already. So then it'll, instead of just having the bars and the face mask, they just have a covering If if they can do it, and it's not an inconvenience to the players, I don't see why not. Um, But that's something. So I don't know if the players will have to do that. They're already wearing the chin guards, but feel like wearing a mask when you're trying to play baseball would be a little bit inconvenient, other than the catcher, obviously. So that'll be something to look for in the upcoming weeks. But I think that this... I'm excited that baseball said that they're finally going to be coming back because we're going to go from no sports at all to all the sports all at once, which as painful as it has been for the last however many months without sports. That's going to be a lot of fun because you're going to have NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Football hopefully starting. We'll see Um, MLB also going on. You already have soccer, NASCAR. It's going to be a whirlwind. And for somebody who wants to be in sports broadcasting or sports podcasting, whichever one comes first, that'll be awesome because I'll finally have actual games and stuff to talk about and break down instead of just having to come up with random stuff. That is that for baseball. The NFL recently had um, run into some controversy because teams are doing private workouts, just kind of meeting up, going to a park. It's what teams normally do anyways. In the NFL, they just normally go to the facility doing that instead of a random neighborhood park. But with the facilities being closed, they were having to do with what they can. Uh, The NFLPA voted to have that be suspended because... They're having a lot of people test positive now makes more sense you're testing more players they're around more people um, I still don't necessarily see it as a huge deal on an individual basis people like Von Miller who has asthma and has already gotten over it but if he were to get it again not again but if he were to get it now it could be potentially interesting because he is immunocompromised but these professional athletes should have a leg up because if you're healthy you should be able to fight it off a little bit better you're still gonna get sick you'll still feel like crap for however long but you should be able to bounce back from it um... the avalanche I follow the avalanche on twitter it's one of the bright spots in my twitter feed most days and I've really it gets me excited seeing those guys back out on the ice practicing and all that kind of stuff So that's, as down as everybody's been seeming to be, and as down as it seems like it is going to be, it is starting to reopen, starting to come back. It feels good. Um. Let's see. I guess I'll talk about this kinda of all over the place today but it's not different than anything else. Um I've talked about it that Chris a. Lee is one of my favorite comedians and I'm trying to find a good credible source. I guess will start I'll start with this statement, why not? Chris if you watched the last season of You, he was the comedian who ended up getting spoiler alert, ended up getting murdered uh, by the main character in the show uh, because he thought he was a pedophile and gonna go after one of the girls that he was trying to protect. (sighs) Strange how things work out, but recently it's come out that Chris has pedophile accusations coming against him. and I'm gonna start off with his statement that was released in the LA Times I guess it was issued to TMZ but the LA Times picked it up I know I have said and done things that might have offended people during my career but I have never knowingly pursued any underage women at any point all of my relationships have been both legal and consensual and I have never met or exchanged any inappropriate photos with people who have tweeted about me that being said, I really am truly sorry. I was a dumb guy who absolutely let myself get caught up in my lifestyle. That's my fault, I own it. I've been reflecting on this for some time, and I promise I will continue to do better. Um... This is tough for me because I am not. In a, I don't quite know what to believe at this point. Um, I don't want to believe that he was a bad guy. I tend to think that that is it is true, because when I listen to some of the podcasts that I listen to, the fighter and the kid, um, they they're both really good friends with Leah and they were both very shooken up by this news of the accusation. So it makes it makes me think that it is true and it is something that happened. And it makes me upset because I really, I mean, he was, the way that he was able to build his career and build an empire and he was a good podcaster, a very funny comedian, a good actor, and he had done all of this himself and basically became a self-made person in this industry. And it was a good blueprint for what I wanted to do. And... um uh, So I guess the from the Chicago Tribune, the original accusation. One morning in the fall of her senior year of high school, Julia Holtzman awoke to find that Chris D'Elia had sent her a direct message on Instagram. The 17-year-old was confused. She was not a fan of the then 36-year-old stand-up comic It was not following his page. But she saw that D'Elia had verified social media account, intrigued, responded to him asking how he found her. proceeded to give Holtzman a phone number, which public records linked to his name. Suggested she traveled from Long Island to New York City to come see him. She never went, but saved screenshots of their correspondence for years. This week, she shared them publicly for the first time on Twitter, where multiple young women have come forward in recent days to allege that Chris Lee was sexually inappropriate with them. Another high school student who said she had a virtual relationship with Leah was the first to share how he allegedly asked her to make out and send him pictures of herself when she was underage. Then, hours Rossi's story began to trend on social media. Um, Wednesday. By Wednesday, the claims had proliferated to such an extent that Leah. His latest stand-up special, No Pain, debuted on Netflix in April. Issued a statement to TMZ, in it he said he's never knowingly pursued any underage women, and that all of his relationships have been legal and consensual. Uh, it is interesting because Dalia's been. He played a pedophile or a possible pedophile in a couple different shows. When he first kind of broke on, he was it was in an episode of Workaholics um, with Adam Devine and those guys. And then, like I said, in You, I want to believe that this isn't true or I want to believe that he really did not know what he was doing. It's difficult to... Um, it's difficult to understand whether or not it is something that's true whether or not he was that good of an actor playing that character because it's something that he really did or if this is i'm not not victim blaming i don't want to do that but it kind of seems like it could possibly be like a clout chasing or an attack on somebody to bring them down, but if all of these accusations are true and all of this did happen when these girls were underage, there's not really anything anybody can say. I mean, thank God he didn't Bill Cosby these girls. Thank God most of them didn't go to him and actually engage in the stuff that he was asking them for. But he really needs he needs an ass beating, in my opinion. If this is true, he needs to go get help. I don't know if you can get help if you are born this way needs to stay out of the spotlight just retire that's it whatever move on everybody will try everybody will have to forget about the fact that he existed because this is not an okay situation this is not somebody that should be rich and famous this is not somebody who should have a second chance of coming back if that is what he did and he hid it from so many people who are considered his best friends. Brian Cowen's been his friend for a long, long time. Brendan Schaub has been a very close friend of him for a short amount of time since he's been in Los Angeles. Those are two guys that I trust their opinion on, and I trust them wholeheartedly. And if they believe this is something that could have happened, then honestly, fuck this guy. Let's move on. Let's get him out of the spotlight. Get him out of the limelight and make sure that all the people who he possibly hurt are taken care of because that's the main thing that needs to needs to be in the forefront these people didn't know what to do they were reached out to by a comedian who at that time was close to 40 and you know what happened happened and it's very unfortunate hopefully none of them were hurt none of them have any emotional pain from this but this is just not a good situation to be in. I I feel bad, I feel sick, I feel guilty for being a fan of his. I didn't know what was going on. Now that I have a little bit more of the story, this is not something or someone that I would l- want to look up to as a role model. Um. I don't, I don't even know what to say after that, that's, um, yeah, there's really nowhere to come back from it, so, yes, now transitioning from that, let's go into, the breakdown for the week of the NFL team NFL team in question on the hot seat underneath the Italian Stallion trust me, especially now with the way the weather's been, that seat is hot hopefully that gave you guys a little bit of a laugh Baltimore Ravens, you guys are up let's see if I think as highly of them as I did of the Steelers, because at this point I have the Steelers winning the division fairly handedly, and we'll see what happens here with the Ravens. So first round, 28th pick overall, picked up Patrick Queen at LSU, 55th pick overall in the second round, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. Um, 71st pick in the third round, Justin Madubuke, Texas A&M, 92nd pick in the 3rd round, Devin DuVernay from Texas. Uh, 98th pick in the 3rd round, Malik Harrison, a linebacker from Ohio State. Um, one hundred and six, guard, Tyree Phillips from Mississippi State in the 3rd round. Number 143, Ben Brendenson, from one the fo- 4th no, round. He's a guard from Michigan. 5th round, 170, Broderick Washington from Texas Tech. Um... Sixth round, wide receiver James Proach from SMU. And seventh round, safety Geno Stone at 219. The Ravens are one of the more interesting teams, I would say. So my thoughts on them last year blew all of my expectations out of the water in the regular season. Lamar Jackson looked like he was going to revolutionize the league. Um thought he was going to be better than his predecessors in the mobile quarterback front Michael Vick RG3 who happened to be his teammate at the time Um, Teddy Bridgewater who's having a little bit of a career renaissance now but I thought that he had figured out how to play quarterback the Ravens had put him in a system that made him the most successful two big pass catching tight ends that he could rely on Hollywood Brown deep threat down the field Willie Sneed Uh, deep threat down the field. And then you had Mark Ingram to go along with Lamar Jackson in the backfield. And then once they get to the playoffs, they always just happen to fall apart. And it's almost as if, I say this a lot, but it's almost as if NFL coaches were allowing them to win in the regular season because they knew they'd have film at that point and they'd be able to figure out a way to stop them in the playoffs. But the way to stop them in the playoffs so far has been just run out six defensive backs on the field. It's called a penny defense. And that way, Lamar Jackson is not the fastest player once he he gets to the third level of the field. And that's what they've been able to do. So, that being said, I think last year was the best year for the Ravens to be able to win anything. I don't think that they're going to have... The same kind of regular season run. I don't see them having a postseason run unless they figure out Lamar Jackson and throwing the ball. Just go pick by pick. Patrick Queen, um, it's kind of a replacement for CJ Mosley, big inside linebacker from LSU. Devin White, his teammate, former teammate, has been very good for Tampa Bay in last season. So that's something that they can look at and, and be okay with. Um, I, I think that's a good, decent pick for them. I think that was the best player available. I thought Patrick Queen was going to go more in the top 15. Ended up falling down to 28 to the Ravens. Good pick up by them. J.K. Dobbins, he got graded a C-plus on CBS Sports. I don't agree with that. I think now you have an extra running back and... Uh, J.K. Dobbins might have been the best running back in college football last season. Him and Justin Fields absolutely tore through everybody until they got to Clemson, and that was just because Clemson didn't know how to lose, doesn't know how to lose really. Um, So I think that's good because now you add a little bit of firepower in the backfield. You can go three-back set, Lamar Jackson, quarterback, Mark Ingram, and J.K. Dobbins. I like that set up a lot. I think that's going to be dangerous. Justin Mabuduke, don't really know too much about him. Texas A&M, he's graded as a B plus. A little bit of depth on the D-line. Devin DuBernay, um, let's see. I'll look up Devin DuBernay real quick. Devin DuBernay went all four years to college. Wow, congratulations to him. He had almost 2,500 yards receiving in four years. His best year was this past season where he had 1,300 receiving yards, 11 touchdowns in four years. So he's not explosive, but I'm sure he can learn how to become a receiver in the NFL, and that will help him out a lot. Combine. So 71 inches, so he's 5'11, 202 pounds. Average size and arms ran a 4'3'9'40, which is very fast. Um, 35 inch vertical, so he's more of a. You basically got a Hollywood Brown for the other side. Hopefully he can generate as much offense as Hollywood Brown did. Um, so I don't know how I feel about that one just yet. They got Malik Harrison, a linebacker from Ohio State. Ohio State's defense was on point last year. Never have a problem. I don't like them, but when you pick a guy from Ohio State, they normally do pretty good in the league, especially from on the defensive end. Look at the Bosa brothers. Um, I mean, go back all the way to Mike Vrabel, was a linebacker at Ohio State before he was a two-time Super Bowl champion in the NFL. So that's... A good bet there Tyree Phillips from Mississippi State Mississippi State like to run the ball a lot so he's a road grader it's good pickup for them he fits well into their scheme Ben Bredesen from Michigan also a road grader Big Ten offensive lineman good fit well in their scheme um, their last few picks where it gets a little interesting they picked up another wide receiver I don't I'm not gonna pretend like I know anything about Broderick Washington and he got rated out as a d+ plus, so we'll just skip over him I don't know if he'll he'll probably end up being on a practice squad I and mean, who knows if he'll even make the team or not um James Proach from SMU let's let's see James in college. Almost, a, yeah, over 1,000 more, or almost 500 more receiving yards than DuBernay. 1,200 yards this past season. Basically 1,200 yards the season before. 10 touchdowns. And...
1: See what he did at the combine.
0: I like that he was also a teammate of Cortland Sutton who's done very well for himself in the league. It's another guy, 5'11, 190 pounds, uh, didn't run a 40 yard dash. 34.5 34.5 inch vertical, had a 4'4 20 yard shuttle, which is a little bit slow for a receiver. Almost, he had a 7.27 three cone drill. So, they, the thing about the Ravens, the thing about John Harbaugh is that he knows the type of player he wants to draft, and he knows the type of player that he wants in his scheme, and he just grabs all the players that are like that. That's why he has Hollywood Brown. That's why he picked up Devin DuBernay. That's why he drafted James Proach. Um,. Like I said, I'm not sure if this is a good setup for the Ravens to win a Super Bowl, but they could still be very competitive. We'll figure out what... We'll go right into the schedule game. Um, see where they fall. Because that'll kind of be the deciding factor as to what is going to happen. So they open up hosting the Browns. I think they win that game. I don't know how the Browns are going to be with their new head coach. Could be wrong. I think that's going to be a tough, tough matchup for them. Go to Houston. Battle of dynamic quarterbacks, but now with Houston not having DeAndre Hopkins and that defense kind of got torched a little bit. Granted, it was the Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes throws the ball a lot better than Lamar Jackson, but Jackson can create more plays. So I think they go two and O through the first two weeks, then they host the Chiefs. And I think they lose that one. So you got them going two and one, and then they go out to DC and, and they're gonna clobber the Redskins. So three and one through the first four. Not bad so far. Bengals go to Baltimore. That wasn't pretty last season. I think I'm I'm gonna give the early season matchup to the team who has a little bit more continuity, and that's going to be Baltimore. Um, so I, I think that they're going to win that one. Make some 4-1 and one through 5, go to Philadelphia. Be a tough matchup. I could see them dropping that one. The thing that the Ravens have going for them is that there's not really too much of a time. They're never going to have to go to the East Coast since they're an East Coast team. That'll be a good matchup. I think that they lose that one, though, so that I have them 5-2 through 6. 4 and Win. Win. Loss. Win. Win. Loss. 4-2 through 6. Then they host the Steelers. Played very well against the Steelers last year. Can't quite remember what I said when we were going over Pittsburgh's schedule mm, I'm going to say the Ravens win that one in Baltimore then they go to Indianapolis they beat the Colts so that makes them 6 and 2 through 8 travel to New England who knows what Jared is going to look like I'll give it to the Ravens now but I don't I'm saying that hesitantly because I don't know what Bill Belichick is going to have in store for the rest of the league so seven and two. Tennessee goes back to Baltimore. I'm sure they're going to be jacked up for that game. So I think they go eight and two there. Then they go out to Pittsburgh. I think they lose that game to the Steelers. So then they're eight and three. Host the Cowboys. Nine and three. Go to Cleveland. Cleveland has a shot to beat them at home. I think. So they go nine and four. Jacksonville goes to Baltimore. That's a win. Ten and four. Giants go to Baltimore. That's a win. 10-5. and 11-4. And, and then finish out the season, regular season finale in Cincinnati. I think that's a loss for the Ravens. So the, I think they finish 11-5. and five, See them grabbing one of the top wild card spots. But I, like I said, I think last year was their window of opportunity. They kind of wasted it, in my opinion. They didn't win a championship. So that's always a waste when that happens. Um... Yeah, I still still think it's the Steelers' division to lose. I don't think that the Ravens are going to be a bad team, and they have a chance. The games that I saw them losing are going to be very close, so they do have a chance to kind of prove me wrong like they did last year and overblow my expectations. But I would say 11-5 and is probably a decent guess for their record. Let's see what their over-under is on the season. Ravens over. Baltimore is at 11.5, so I'd probably take the under just because, I mean, I don't know. They're they're kind of one of those teams I wouldn't bet on their over-under because I can see them going, winning more than 11 games. I could see them losing or winning less than 11 games. It's not, they're not one of those teams. Like, the Bengals are easy easy pick for me in that one. I think they they go over 5.5 games just because Joe Burrow is going to be able to lead them a little bit. They're going to have more continuity in the coaching staff. They're going to know more of what their team is supposed to be like. So I think that and – I, and I think that when you go 2-14, and 14, that's basically rock bottom. You hit the bottom, you bounce back up. I think that they're going to be on upswing this season – the Ravens, who knows what last year's going to do because they had that great regular season and got beaten in the divisional round of the playoffs. So are they going to come out pissed off, swinging, like on, swinging on, everybody, on everybody that they play? Or are they going to go in the corner, poor me, why did this happen to us? So I would stay away from betting on that one. Um, but 11.5 makes sense. That's kind of where I have them going in, in this upcoming season. Honestly, I think that's gonna be where we end today's show. I know it was a little bit all over the place, but it wouldn't be um, it wouldn't be this show if it wasn't all over the place. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for li- continuing to listen. This is episode forty, so we're getting pl- we're going places. Hopefully, um, please follow the social medias like I said at the beginning at Pod seventy three at Jimmy Pilato on Twitter, uh, at Proud underscore on Instagram, at Jimmy Pilato on TikTok. Like, subscribe, share, rate, review, wherever you listen. Let's keep growing this thing. I haven't called you this for a while. Let's grow the Stable of Stallions. Let's get this show from where it is now to a little bit bigger and then a little bit bigger. Just gradually increase, increase, increase until, hey, maybe we have the number one show in the world. It's probably not realistic, but sometimes it's better to have lofty expectations than to just always be realistic this is the last um cover song for the outro that we've done this is today's song is going to be if you ever get lonely also by love and theft love and theft we did "Runaway" last week and then this was when dom and i recorded these covers we were in love the first one was my favorite song at the time if you ever get lonely is dom's favorite song now and he's really on a big love and theft kick uh i mean it worked because i was still trying to get over my breakup i guess a little bit and he just really enjoys that kind of music love and theft has always been one of our favorite bands and we really enjoy singing it together because they do pretty good harmonies so that's why we wanted to sing this one um so yeah this is our cover of if you ever get lonely thank you guys for listening thank you for allowing me jimmy Pilato, the italian stallion to be your center of attention Anyway, we'll see you guys next week.
1: Thanks for coming. It's so good to hear your voice. But you keep breaking up. And all the static and the noise. But I keep listening. Cause I never had a choice when it came to you I'd love to see you If you're ever out this way You sound happy Cause things are working out okay I'm getting better i putting one foot in front of the other I know that California ain't to blame And I know there's tons of people in LA But if you ever get lonely And you miss me If you need someone to listen Even if it's only The sound of someone's voice who loves you me. You know where to find me If you ever get home. Sounds like a good time Going down at the other end You got a new love, you got a new life A whole new set of friends Are you listening? Do you expect me to pretend I don't love you I don't love you But if you ever give lonely And you miss me If you need someone to listen Even if it's only The sound of someone's voice who loves you That you need to hear You know where to find me you ever given me? Were you ever really listening? Were you ever really listening? Who loves you That you need to hear You know where to find me If you ever get lonely If you ever get lonely